The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 71. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Just a reminder uh, to please share the podcast on Twitter and Facebook and leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. That helps us to to get noticed out there in the podcast world and gets us more listeners. So please uh, be sure to share the show with your friends. Also today, be sure to stick around to the very end of this episode because we have some very, 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 very exciting news to share, so you don't want to miss that. Today we are continuing our series of character-devoted episodes, and we will be taking a deeper look at the character that could be arguably the most sinister in all of Star Wars. This uh, character could be called as uh, pulling all the strings, so to speak. No, I am not talking about Darth Sidious or even Darth Plagueis. I am talking about Jar Jar Binks, or as some call him, Darth Jar Jar. So joining me today on the panel are Thomas Senherho. How's it going, Father? It's going pretty well. And second up this evening is Mike Creevy. Hey, Mike. Okie day. <laughs> you need to say that more sinister like well i gotta say i'm looking up a lot of google images right now too of the darth jar jar stuff and there's some terrifying uh depictions oh yeah <laughs> there's even one of him with a lightsaber i'm pretty sure that's that's in canon too so <laughs> that's all we need so, uh, that being said our podcast tonight is going to start i'm going to start with a uh a canon book called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. This was something that I stumbled across in, in doing some research for this episode. This book was published in 2017 as a lead up to Star Wars uh, The Last Jedi. So in this book, there's a character named Reddy who is telling stories of old. And in it, an ex-Imperial engineer is um, talking about conspiracy theories and makes the following statement. He says, speaking of Naboo star sardine fritters, did you know that Senator Jar Jar Binks and Lord Vader were the same person? End quote. So obviously we know that Jar Jar Binks and Vader are not the same person as this uh, Reddy is, is speaking, of course, of, of just hearsay and conspiracy theories. But we always know that there's a bit of truth in such theories and outlandish claims. So today we are going to dive into the truth of what is behind this particular idea, namely that Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. What are your guys' initial thoughts of that? Yeah, it's hard to avoid this conclusion. Like when you really when you really sit down and look at it, um, the, there's just so many things that don't add up. 
And I think that's the thing that really grated on people when they first watched Phantom Menace, that this idiot of a uh, of a character was almost single-handedly responsible for the win against the battle droids uh, from the Gungans. <laughs> and that bothers people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but you can account for that very easily because we see time and time again the Jedi are capable of winning against an entire fleet of battle droids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that just as a starting point, that's kind of I, I don't, I don't the, the theory doesn't bother me at all because it fits with so many other things, and, and we'll go outside of canon and talk about all the way all the influences that Lucas has, I'm sure too. Uh, but uh, you know, just just back to the Kurosawa roots of uh, Star Wars. Uh, the Hidden Fortress, uh, the movie, start, opens with these two buffoons that, that the, the movie follows along. And in the original series, we see that as the droids. The two droids are kind of the, the buffoons that we, follow, that we follow throughout the story. But there was also another trope that he had that was the, the, the buffoon swordsman, right? Who was an idiot all the time, except for when he had to become the swordsman. And he would turn into the swordsman and there was there were variations on it so there was the the drunken fighter that would uh maintain that idiocy but still be really good at fighting and that's kind of what you see in this uh in this version of jar jar where we go okay let's let's take the uh the blinders of the the kid's goofiness off and let's look at the deeper possibilities of this character that can you know jump 20 feet in the air and uh shoot a blaster with his foot at all of these different uh battle droids yeah so i'm totally comfortable with this theory i think this is a a fantastic way to look at jar jar and um and to to take what happened in phantom menace at its face value well you know it's um the the bigger umbrella of subterfuge i mean the thing is like it's you know palpatine doesn't feign being a bumbling idiot but he sure as heck schmoozes everybody you know mm-hmm. like he's so it's it's a different kind of um approach maybe but uh uh what's i forget who it is it's, it gets passed around uh, the quote so i don't know who it's from but um you know that the uh the greatest sort of deception the devil level ever pulled was you know by, by getting people to think he doesn't exist so like that's that's great you know if you can get someone to not believe that the threat's there but you know if if in a way, maybe just as dangerous. What if people don't think it's a threat because they think that the person isn't threatening, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they are, um, this, this lovable, affable kind of character. And in all seriousness, you know, like we've seen in the real world, even in recent years, certain, uh, you know, people, figures, celebrities, people, even sometimes in the church, quite frankly, who, you know, you, you thought was one thing or thought was, you know, trustworthy or whatever. And then they weren't, you know, and we're up to no good and we're feigning that. So like that just deception in general is obviously the, the devil's the father of lies, you know. So if you're going to incorporate into your story something that's believable evil, you know, you want to have that deception element there. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to this later, but I know the one article father had had sent or we were kind of discussing some of this uh the guy in there pointed out you know the luck thing and we'll get into that more detail later but these things that seem to be just dumb luck on the part of jar jar but my favorite character obi-wan did point out <laughs> as he mentions in the article in, in a new hope you know in my experience there's no such thing as luck so mm-hmm. <laughs> is is that a connection i guess we'll we'll see yeah, well, I, it 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 makes it makes a certain amount of sense that this character is 
easy to just disregard and slip under the radar. And yet he is involved in some of the most critical aspects of everything that's going on within the Star Wars movie saga. He's instrumental in helping uh, in the in the invasion of Naboo. He's there in the Senate. Uh, I mean, and if he and he's this bumbling idiot and yet he manages to become uh, a general and he manages to become, you know, part of the Galactic Senate. And he I mean, for for being a bumbling idiot, he is awfully involved in all sorts of galactic wide things. So mm-hmm. there there is clearly more going on under the surface than just, yeah, as Mike said, dumb luck. Uh, this was carefully calculated. At least that's 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 what we're looking at. Um, so to uh, begin at least an overall discussion on Darth Jar Jar, we need to to do some laying down of some groundwork because, you know, a lot of this stuff is just overlooked and missed. And so it's it's helpful to kind of try to try to take this apart. So we're going to look at a, a number of different aspects on why Jar Jar Binks is the Sith mastermind behind everything. And so first, we just need to talk about his skills as a warrior. So he is portrayed as this as this idiot. He stumbles all the time. He like, um, you know, even in in, uh, the Phantom Menace, I mean, he's with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and they're doing these amazing acrobatic feats and Jar Jar is like falling off the bridge. And and yet and still taking things out, <laughs> he's right. still managing Non-stop. to do damage, <laughs> right? Constantly, <laughs> he is doing these yeah aerobatic feats that are just that that are seemingly seemingly not possible to the average person. Um, if you take that particular scene where he falls off the bridge, quote unquote, falls off the bridge, and you really watch it, uh, it's it's really kind of fun because. Um, from if you're when the camera shot is at looking at Qui-Gon Jar Jar is off to his left behind him and to the left and then when the camera turns and we're looking behind Qui-Gon forward Jar Jar ends up landing to Qui-Gon's right Mm -hmm. and if he just fell off the bridge he would have stayed to his left but like he somehow at least in the 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 movie he like jumped completely across the across the path so coincidence or the use of force power we also need to talk about <laughs> we also need to talk about the the Battle of Naboo, which I think is probably the most striking example of his skills as a warrior. And 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 we've already kind of mentioned it that, for example, he takes out multiple droids with a blaster tangled around his ankle. Who who in their normal set of skills could do that? Uh, he takes out a huge battle droid tank. He unleashes his barrage of of bombas on the droids and he's doing all of this in sort of what could be perceived as a goofy sort of manner but again there is an actual style of fighting that this is directly linked to (laughs) yeah drunken fist man this is exactly what drunken fist this is exactly what drunken fist is supposed to look like right where you you if anyone's ever seen uh jackie chan at his best that's, that's what, what we're talking I was, yeah. about <laughs> i was i was wondering if that would come up it has to come up <laughs> yeah oh, of course it does right where it's just he's he's using the environment that he's given in creative ways and seems like he's having fun but is really on top of everything like a complete martial artist uh 
everything is a weapon for him. Everything is a, 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 a setting for him to use to improve his fighting, to get the upper hand. And it, it throws your opponent off when you're not serious and angry and mad, but you're, you seem like a bumbling idiot, but everything you're doing is very calculated and very carefully uh, choreographed. Does it does it have any connection? Because I'm not fam- totally familiar with all the different connections. Is there a connection to uh, judo at all with like using momentum like that? You know, enemies' momentum, or is it just is it a little different? It's it it takes a lot of different styles. Uh, it kind of it kind of pulls in it pulls in mostly from from um, some Chinese uh, backgrounds. So it's a it's a, a form of uh, of wuxia. So it's that kind of key momentum energy and uh it's got a real a lot of really mystic um backdrop to it and so okay. it, it but but it depends on the person being ready to fight in any situation and then takes gotcha. it to its to its logical completely or its illogical completely ridiculous conclusion of okay well what if you're drunk what if you're like <laughs> you know stoned out of your mind can't, you know, have no weapons on hand and you're being attacked by somebody. What do you do? It's a good contingency <laughs> to prepare for, you know, just in case. <laughs> and then, and then to use that as like your baseline fighting style, it's, it's a, it's, it's a mm-hmm. brilliant strategy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I mean, well, if it you, makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Father. Sorry. I was just going to say, if you YouTube this style of fighting, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to watch and it, and it's, oh yeah. It, this is totally a legitimate style of fighting. This is not mm-hmm. just something that, you know, someone made up. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it completely throws the, the, the opponent, you know, off guard and it, and it confuses them and it's unpredictable, mm-hmm. which is the point. And, and I think really, oh. yeah, it comes back to, it comes back to Bruce Lee's whole concept of fighting where it was never be stuck in a form, right? Never be stuck in in a single way of of combat and that kind of debunks everything that we know about the jedi too right because the jedi are all about structure all about that strict making sure that you follow this code uh which kind of lends more to this would not be a fighting style that a jedi would use so you can kind of follow the dots here and go okay jar jar really watching what he does it is force based stuff right there's there's no way you don't see any of the other gungans do any of the things that he does so it's not like it's a racial trait that they can leap really high and do all these crazy acrobatics uh and so so this is unique to him it's obviously on caliber with the jedi because it's something that you know it's causing massive amounts of destruction wherever he goes he's basically single-handedly leading a, a unit that's in not capable of fighting these uh, droids at all into a victory and this is not a style that would be conducive to the way the jedi think about things so you're left with one conclusion i mean there's really only one way to draw a line through this character well and that it was even just you know from that instructional video you know and there were all the different like i had it here um jar jar kipping up jar jar sloshing mm-hmm. sweeping mm-hmm. the leg like and it's this like you know comparison of each of those that's I don't know. Pretty compelling. <laughs> well, and, um, and, and his dodging, like bla- the blaster yep. shot thing, that was, yep. you know, watched that's, that a few times. <laughs> like, wow, okay. <laughs> that's that's exactly where it's going to go. Is that even during that whole battle, he is not injured hardly. I mean, he may have you know yeah. sprained his ankle or, or you know, but not really. 
but he dodges right. the blaster fire, you know, and, and yeah, almost with a force like sensitivity and knowledge of where that fire is coming from. And he's in the middle of the entire battle. He's not, he's on the front mm-hmm. line and doesn't, doesn't get shot at all. So yeah, it just, the, the evidence continues to, to pile up and that, that, that there's more going on than he's, than, than just a ordinary Gungan that's bumbling about. Um, the other major aspect of, of this, of course, is that he has uh, incredible skill as a warrior, but also that he has use of the force, which is something that is never explicit in the movies. But I think that's that's the beauty of it. That's kind of um, kind of what Mike was talking about, is that this is this is the the trick of seeing without really seeing what's going on. And and so there are a number of examples of things that Jar Jar does that can only be explained by his using of the force. So the the the, the first example of that would be the the incredible ac- acrobatics and the the dodging of the blaster fire, you know, and the 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 falling off the bridge but landing in a completely different different spot, you know, as if he's defying the laws of gravity. Um, the other really big, uh, example of this is, is that if you notice whenever he's maneuvering himself into positions of power, he is waving his arms about as if he's using the force to persuade. And there are a couple very clear, um, examples of this. The first would be in the Phantom Menace when he clearly is waving his hands to boss Nass Mm -hmm. and then is promoted to bombad general. And and I just want to point out again, none of the un- other Gungans do this, so it's not yeah. a culture. I, I'm I am I am a Latin American male. I use my hands to speak. Like I just do it. <laughs> we all do it. You know <laughs> that you're speaking to somebody who's from Cuba because they are gesturing with their hands while they're talking. Right? Um, it's so it's not a cultural thing. None of the other ones. You know, Boss Nass is a little. Uh, bombastic and he's mm-hmm. got the weird shaking of his head thing but none of the gungans use these like e- e- extreme insane movements of their hands char mm-hmm. jar does does this a difference <laughs> when, when you just kind of think about it boss nass would not have promoted jar jar based on merit at least from what we've seen like jar jar has not proven himself whatsoever so mm. There is no rational reason for him to be promoted to Bombad General, except for the explanation that he's being manipulated uh, through the Force. The other, and we we know we know that Boss Nass is what is it, he, manipulatable? What's the word? He's he's impressionable. Impressionable uh, with, the, with the Force, right? So because <laughs> yeah, uh, Qui Gon's uh, mm-hmm. Qui Gon's pretty pretty quick with that whole mind trick thing. By the way, quick side note, I do have to mention, Father, I, I, yeah. I know I, I don't know, if, uh, Thomas, if you've read uh, Light of the Jedi yet, but I did I find it funny. I'm, I'm not done with it, but I found it funny that they slip in there the idea that it's it's just some Jedi 400 years ago who started calling it the mind trick. And people were like, well, that's not really, you know, but it, clearly it's caught on hundreds of years later. <laughs> so I, just, I thought that was a fun little, fun little touch. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Speaking of that, aren't there Gungans <laughs> in the, the Nihil? There are. So, <laughs> so they're not, they're not all good guys. Correct. But I mean, yeah, so, so they are, that uh, is another correlated piece of evidence of their potentials, mm-hmm. potential for sinister uh, organizations. 
the other big um, force manipulation Jedi mind trick that that we see happen within the movies is in um, uh, episode two when when Jar Jar is in the Senate chambers and he convinces the entire Senate to give emergency powers to Chancellor Palpatine. And he is clearly using <laughs> his hands as part of that whole process of manipulation. And if it's not unnerving enough right? to have Jar Jar Binks promoted to a senator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for nobody else in the Galactic Senate to go, wait a minute, aren't these guys from the same planet? Yeah. There's there's nothing, you know, there, with, with as much as, no, there was actually a blockade by the Trade Federation and everybody in the Senate was like, no, 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 we need to send a, a delegation to go check it out, right? That's, we, we don't, we're not sure that that's really what's happening. <laughs> and with as, as much as they sit on their hands about everything, nobody's raising alarms about the fact that these guys are from the same planet yep. and suddenly everything's working out this way. Which which brings us to to more more evidence for this uh, is is Jar Jar a co conspirator with Palpatine? Yeah. Now, so this one this one's really interesting. In um, one of the aftermath books, uh, there is a a nod to this where we see uh, what happens to Jar Jar, and these are these are canon, right? Father, I think yes, it, because the it came out in two thousand fifteen yep, to seventeen. They are, they are, they are canon. canon. So so this is this is sort of a reference now. I'm going I'm of the persuasion that he's maintaining some of his laying low because he might still have plans, right? And and he's on the planet, he's back on Naboo and he's playing the clown to all these refugee kids. So there's all these refugee kids that are coming back to Naboo after the fall of the empire. And um he is kind of stuck in that role right where he's uh he's playing the clown and the way it talks about it first off is more of these acrobatic feats where he's like leaping out of the the fountain you know 20 feet into the air and jumping from side to side until he eventually uh lands on his head and then falls over on his butt and that's kind of the whole uh some of it and the kids love it they think i'll oh, bring out the clown bring out the clown but then uh the character uh the character that we're following in this particular uh section actually has a conversation with him actually goes to to talk with him and uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read it because you know i'm just i'm i can't do the i can't do the gung justice. i am not gonna i am not gonna take ahmed best's work and try and do anything like what he did because he did an amazing job with this role but, his last name is best <laughs> yeah yep. see that's it no, he did yep. best <laughs> uh, but he's he basically says uh so jar jar says um i i, I think jar jar made some mistakes and that's why the everybody's ignoring him like the kids love watching him but all the adults are walking by just completely ignoring this clown figure that's that's leaping around for the kids and when when he's approached about it he says he thinks it's because jar jar made some big mistakes uh the bosses banished him along long ago and he hasn't been home in forever and the naboo think that he did a he made a big mistake for the empire right and so he's kind of alluding to what he did as you know being part of as people know that he was part of this conspiracy right and so i think there's something deeper there i think there's something like a little more uh intensely uh conspiratorial about what he's doing and now he's just kind of trying to lay low and stay out of the way and if he has force powers you know he could have it so that people ignore him mm -hmm. he, he could make it with it with as powerful as he seems to be uh we we talk a lot about the about 
uh, Sidious at the at Qui Gon's funeral, right, standing there with all the other Jedi, and nobody notices that he's a Sith, but Jar Jar's standing right beside him, literally to his left at that funeral. Maybe they both have that same kind of ability to just disappear. Well, it makes you wonder too, like in the motivations of any Sith. I mean, because you know, like would every I never really thought of this till right now, and so, but I mean, would every Sith want to be the you know supreme chancellor and emperor and necessarily? But you know, I don't know. Does does you know pride and the, the search for power always manifest that way, or or is it you know? I mean, even Palpatine himself seems like in a lot of the the canon books and stuff, like it's you know administration of the galaxy isn't really. <laughs> what he's deeply about like it's it's he wants this you know thirst for dark side knowledge and power and so you know could you have someone like uh darth jar jar out of the limelight you know playing the clown and at night he goes back and he's doing his holocron study and his you know who knows what you know he's involved in in searching out the mysteries of the unknown regions and exegol and all that kind of stuff the sorcery and who knows so i I wonder about that too you know like what's what's he doing his off time i i think that 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 kind of a trait of wanting to be the center of attention is is very clear in emperor palpatine because once he declares himself Mm -hmm. emperor i mean it's it's all about him and his rule but i think that that trait isn't um so uh I don't think that trait is necessary for a Sith Lord. Right. So we well, have Maul, you know, right. Maul is the, right. is the opposition to that, right? Working right. in the shadows constantly. Yep. And, and I mean, any good villain is going to be able to be patient and is able to be, you know, to wait in the shadows. And so, you know, if, if uh, Darth Jar Jar is the one pulling the strings even behind Palpatine and then in in uh, Return of the Jedi, when when Palpatine is seemingly killed, you know, perhaps that wasn't exactly according to, to Jar Jar's plan. And so he has to bide his time and stay in the shadows and not draw attention to himself as he's waiting for um, perhaps even the rise of the, the First Order and and Palpatine again. And and that even doesn't even go according to his plan. So he could still be just, you know, playing the clown and hiding in the shadows. And and as a good villain, that is that is perfectly in line with with what he could be what he could be up to. Eventually, he's going to have that Thanos moment where he just opens the the gauntlet cover and says, "Got to do it myself." Misa going to do it myself? Like, oh man! Oh. Uh. Hey, look, Disney's own Disney owns both the franchises now. So who knows? Uh, so talk of that and talk about a multiverse of madness <laughs> there there's potential right. um uh going back to the relationship between uh jar jar and, and palpatine i i did want to point out too that it even in in revenge of the sith we see clearly jar jar and palpatine working together they're seen together they're they're in you know they're in the same meetings they're you know they're working together so uh, even for those of you who might think that that Jar Jar was just used to get emergency powers to Palpatine, if that were the case, Palpatine could have easily have just thrown him away. Why else would they be working clearly together in Revenge of the Sith if not that Jar Jar is still intricately involved, even if uh, uh, that's not uh, explicitly shown? 
And he appears in Clone Wars in sort mm-hmm. of a similar way. He's still a senator, still operating mm-hmm. at full capacity, even after the, the sort of emergency powers issuance. And again, that, that echoes, why would he be in that position if not because he force persuaded someone to let him be in that position? Same, same thing when he was Bombad General. I mean, he has no real merit to, to be in any of these positions. Especially like thinking about, about uh, Padme's character, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Padme does not have the patience for him, but there's bureaucracy that is obviously forcing her hand in some way, right? Like, otherwise, she would not put up with this guy <laughs> at all if it weren't for some other insidious uh, backdrop to it. Mm-hmm. She's good, too, at dismissing him. Was it uh, episode two? You know, he's rambling on and on, and she's like, I don't want to keep you from your duties. You know, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And he just, <laughs> that's a, which, by the way, I want to start remembering to do that uh, in real life. There's someone who's from your duties. Someone who's someone who's really really bothering you. Like, well, hey, look, I don't want to keep you. I'm sure you have somewhere to be. Like, oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I think I think I think one of the best things you can do here, and this is one of the in in this Reddit string that we're talking about that um that that is really good at kind of laying this argument out. They they say that George Lucas backed off. He he kind of chickened out of of really making Jar Jar who he could have been potentially later in the series. Uh, because, you know, there's talk, I, I don't know, Father, were you wanting to go to talking about him, Yoda, uh, him and as a counterpost to Yoda? Um, that, that, was, that was in my, um, I, I've, I've got a couple other things to mention too, but we'll go here first. All right. Yeah, let's, 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 let's go ahead and segue there because I think this is a good yeah, way to do yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you think about him as a counterpoint to Yoda, one of the arguments that this uh, Redditor makes is that he, Yoda fights a Sith master at the end of uh, episode two. And that Sith master could have been uh, Jar Jar Binks, right? So it could have been Jar Jar making his appearance as a Sith master. And it makes total sense, right? Uh, and And I think the easiest way to do this because of the kind of baggage that comes with the Jar Jar Binks characters go the other way, right? So take Christopher Lee and Count Dooku and the character that he is at that point and move him back into episode one instead of bringing Jar Jar Binks up into Count Dooku's place, move, uh, you know, Count Dooku back to Jar Jar Binks place. And he's playing this bumbling idiot that, you know, just remove the Gungans altogether, make them all like a, a, a another Naboo race. That's all human and everything. And just think of that and like, and play it all the way through and then come to that moment where it's revealed. No, no, no. This guy's, actually a sith he was an apprentice he was apprenticed to yoda and went to the dark side and now is of equal powers able to stand up to yoda and it makes so much more sense like you can you can actually see it that way and i think it's just the jar jar baggage got taken and if they had been as brave as uh as everybody was with ahsoka tano in the clone wars right because Mm -hmm. ahsoka was an incredibly hated character yep and now look at where she is, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there was some of that that they just needed to push through and say. Because if you think about Dooku's character in the in the movies and in the Clone Wars as a whole, Dooku seems much more powerful than uh, Palpatine. Like Palpatine seems like he's not 
you almost question why it is that they're not more equals than they than they seem to be uh, when they're discussing things with each other because Dooku really does have the entire federation on his side he he very easily could be the guy in charge coming out the other end and it, it's questionable whether or not you know it's going to be the emperor or Dooku that come out the other end powerful and we, we only know because we have the benefit of having seen four five and six first well and even from a certain perspective Dooku felt like just the villain we needed for the for episode two rather right. than i mean like like we, we you don't hear about him at all in episode one so there's no like even going into episode two you get a bit of his backstory but it's almost like they threw that in there because we needed to know where he came from and right. so he he sort of just was like shoehorned into like we need the villain rather than rather than it being jar jar binks who was stepping into that role they they threw dooku into that just funny too because you know, a lot of the canon novels and such have really filled that in i think in a very uh uh, helpful kind of way uh, but I think the last time I did a watch through the movies just going off of them I'd almost not forgotten but it's just like when you watch them again it is sort of like Count Duke like who who mm-hmm. is this guy you know we're, okay mm-hmm. now he's a big thing everyone you know and it's like they not cheating but it's a little well I mean you know, the story has jumped 10 years <laughs> right a lot yeah. has happened You're like okay you know I guess <laughs> so, but yeah, it does make you wonder if there was other stuff going on behind the scenes with that. And it's important, I think, for for movie storytelling. I mean, even though it jumped ten years, there's got to be continuity because otherwise, because mm-hmm. not everybody's going to read the books and not everybody's going to know what's happening behind the scenes. So if you're just doing a movie saga, you know, there's got to be that continuity. And and yeah, I think well, they've done a lot. Especially with... if he's well, especially, especially Duke, who's like this, you know legendary jedi who's the master of qui-gon and yoda's padawan yeah 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 it's a little you know nothing on him the first yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i i found that parallel between jar jar and yoda very very interesting um i wanted to throw out a quote that that george lucas had made um in reference to yoda uh, because it's it it was I think this it was meant to be applied to Jar Jar, even though it, this didn't play out in the movies exactly. But he said this about Yoda. He said Yoda really comes from a tradition in mythology in mythological storytelling fairy tales of the hero finding a little creature on the side of a road that seems very insignificant and not very important, but who turns out to be the master wizard. And like that is Yoda to a T. I mean, Luke Skywalker encounters this this creature who's just eating his food and hitting R2-D2 and, and he turns out to be the greatest Jedi, arguably one of the greatest Jedi, I guess, of, of the era. And that was supposed to, to be echoed and paralleled in the prequel trilogy with Jar Jar being that insignificant little creature found on the side of the road who turns out uh, to have a much more pivotal role. And instead of Yoda, of course, being the the Jedi Master, Jar Jar was aimed at being the inverse, mm-hmm. the 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 Sith Lord behind everything. And even Ahmed Best confirmed this in a 2015 tweet. So we have we have confirmation, and and we can uh, we can share that link. <laughs> Proof. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to say about that relationship? Well, I think you can. I I think you can be. I think you could be deceived to thinking that um, Anakin kind of fits that role, right? Because he's, they discover him as a child and 
uh, bring him in. But he's more central to the story. He's too central to the story um, to be that that little creature they find on the side of the road uh, that then becomes so pivotal. And so you you really are left with if you don't have Jar Jar being that figure, then there is not one for uh, the original three or, or the episodes one, two, and three. Anakin's the pathetic life form that they picked yes. up on tattoo. <laughs> well, Obi Wan, Obi Wan calls that right. He's right. Uh-huh. Since we've picked up another pathetic life form. Well, what's <laughs> funny is that that redditor actually pointed out too that you know the uh, the sort of disturbance that Jar Jar causes, the scene he causes in the market really leads to their mm-hmm. connection with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've bumped into him in the shop, if I'm remembering the order of it right. But it's it's that sort of. Um, you know, disturbance that leads to them actually kind of connecting and then following him home in the sandstorm and everything. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Any coincidences, really? I mean, <laughs> I've, that's that's exactly where I was going to go is because Jar Jar can be seen as, as manipulating all of these events. So the, 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 the uh, Redditor pointed out that, I mean, he encounters Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on the, in the swamps of Naboo and he convinces them to Jedi that they need him to go <laughs> through the planet core. <laughs> yeah. So already he's thrown himself into their company, probably being able to, to predict the future that they're going to get stuck on Tatooine and he can, you know, encounter uh, the chosen one and aim at, at his corruption. And then, yeah. And then just like you, uh, Mike pointed out that he creates the scene with Sebulba, I think, that, that causes mm-hmm. them to, to mm-hmm. meet with Anakin and for them to, to be brought to their house. And one of the other things that I thought was really interesting is that he pointed out that Jar Jar is constantly mocking Qui-Gon behind his back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so he is subtly letting Anakin see that without Qui-Gon knowing it so that Anakin learns disrespect for Jedi authority early on. It's and like a, it's like a gateway drug of, uh, of, <laughs> of of disciplinary issues, you know. Well, and I, but I would, I would challenge the fact that Qui Gon doesn't know what's going on. I think Qui Gon is actually more aware because Qui Gon's like such a pivotal figure, right? And and mm. he knows there's something wrong with the Jedi Order. That's that's one of the things that we've you know kind of been Filoni honed in on really well, uh, and has made his entire career in star Wars on that sort of concept. And you, you see this moment that is very jarring, uh, as comical and, and goofy as Jar Jar is, there's that moment where they're sitting in, um, in the house and he sticks his tongue out to grab the, grab a piece of fruit Mm -hmm. and Qui-Gon grabs his tongue. And it's, it's a very aggressive thing to have happen, right? To like just grab somebody's tongue out of the air. And it's framed in this like, oh, well, you know, Jedi have advanced reflexes and they can do things like this. But it's also like he just grabbed this guy's tongue <laughs> and like held on to it and stared at him for a moment. And there's so many things. There's several different things that Qui-Gon never really gets to reveal to everybody because he just doesn't have time with with the way that everything falls out. He just doesn't have time to sit Obi-Wan down and talk to him about, you know, what he sees in Anakin and what he thinks Anakin needs and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think that this is also another moment where he sees into the depths of who Jar Jar might be and just doesn't have time to mm-hmm. lay it out for anyone. Taking that farther. Now, now go with me here. If right. if Jar Jar is as powerful as we we know he is, he 
could have easily stopped Darth Maul on Tatooine. But he mm-hmm. chose not to. He didn't intervene. And he let Darth Maul continue his quest. And ultimately that leads toward and to Qui-Gon's death. Mm-hmm. Take, take the obstacles <laughs> out of the way, right? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you know. He, he did grab his tongue. Yeah, look, he's got to he's got to die. <laughs> he's he's, he's got to go. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Is he a good villain? He's either the best villain or the worst villain, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I think um, I mean I'm honestly I'm a little disappointed because at the end of the the, the Reddit Reddit article we we're looking at too. Um, he starts speculating about uh, the, the sequel trilogy because I think this was 2015 or yeah. 14 or 14 or 15, uh, late 2015 before it came out. And uh, my favorite one was his, his theory that uh, Jar Jar is Snoke. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I still want to make that work <laughs> in, a weird, in a weird way. I don't know, uh, I don't know. but that uh, would be yeah, a, no, a more ultimate backstory for Snoke than than what we got. <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> oh man, I, I think there. I think there may have been a missed opportunity. I, I agree. I agree with the Reddit thread where it's kind of that that Lucas backed out of what could have potentially been really like a really dark shift. You know, the the kind of um, uh, Luke, I am your father uh, shift that Vader had at the end of uh, Empire. Uh, where you have Jar Jar show up as Dooku, right? As or as this other uh, comparable Sith Lord, uh, and then be the head of the Trade Federation throughout the rest of it. I think that could have made uh, what was a sort of goofy character suddenly stand out as quite an amazing character and it would have made for an incredible fight scene let me just tell you yoda's acrobatics and jar jar's acrobatics at the same time (laughs) and and you hear a lot and this this is i want to point out that i don't think it's that lucas like chickened out i think it's that uh you hear a lot of him talking about the fact that the that the technology was better for episodes one two and three than it was for uh four five and six and so he was able to expand on his world more but he was still upset he was still sad that it wasn't quite at the level that he wanted it to be to be able to have you know the product that he wanted and that could be that kind of moment right where you have two completely cg characters going into a battle together and it being believable credible and and coming across on the screen in a in a reasonable way and um that could have been one of those things where they ran tests for it and it's just just didn't work didn't work didn't work didn't work and he had to back out and say okay well we need to make this we have to put a real character up against this CG character to make it operate. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have to completely change the story at that point. But he still plays his role of, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, manipulation. And I mean, uh, getting, getting emergency powers to the Palpatine and the mm-hmm. rise of the empire, you know, and all of that. He's not quite as, as goofy in, in episodes two or three, but um, he still, he still plays, plays those roles. And what a, uh, kind of unexpected twist that would have been especially oh, yeah. and 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 i and i would almost feel sorry for like all the kids who watched episode <laughs> one who like i mean i remember going to it was either mcdonald's or burger king and they were like you could get these like cups that had boss nass with a straw like in his mouth 
and one uh-huh. of them was a jar jar with you know the straw in his mouth yeah. very creepy but like as a kid i thought it was the coolest thing ever and and yeah. so like <laughs> yeah. you know how many kids out there who would have just like loved jar jar and the parents of course hated hated him but then <laughs> having having an episode two that completely shift and he is revealed to be the, the sith lord behind everything What's well, like finding out Barney's an arms dealer, <laughs> you know, like or, or some just completely like the completely undermine childhood innocence. Like, like what? <laughs> like why are there all those AK forty sevens behind Barney? Like oh my gosh! Like terrifying! Like Jar Jar like force lightning trying to kill Obi Wan? Like what? Oh, I think wow. that's part of the charm of this whole of this whole <laughs> way of looking at Jar Jar Binks, though, right? It's like. Yeah. You know, for for those of for the for those people who were at the right age to really enjoy Jar Jar when he was in Episode One, com- coming of age in this universe where you're like, wait a minute, there's some really truly evil things. Wait a minute, <laughs> what about this guy that everybody hates that I really liked? What if he was really cool too? <laughs> well, and, and and if you just Google Darth Jar Jar, mm-hmm. there is some. Yes. Really crazy, cool depictions <laughs> of him as a Sith Lord, which they're cool. <laughs> I, I guess, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, what are your guys's favorite moments with our beloved Sith Lord? <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I saw it, because I, you know, it's tricky because I'm looking back at, you know, where I was at. I, I mean, I, I don't think I ever embraced like really maybe as much as some people that that kind of jaded teenager kind of attitude Mm -hmm. like deliberately you know like i i I think i i think deep down i still had a childlike sense of wonder you know which and and i think we've talked about this before that doesn't do you a lot of good in high school when you're a huge star wars fan you know (laughs) but but for some reason you know now that i'm you know 37 years old and i'm standing I, i i talk about star wars like all the time to my students and like i can just tell they're like most of them are like, please stop, you know, <laughs> but I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to have my fun now. Okay. No, but so, so I was, uh, I was 14 or 15, I think. Yeah, I was 15 when, when episode one came out and, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing myself more as like a, a growing up or an emerging adult, whatever, you know? So I, I think I was already when I saw it a little like, well, you know, this guy, a little much but i think i i seem to remember kind of enjoying some of his antics at least the first go around and um the one that immediately came to mind was when he gets his tongue you know caught in the power coupling yes, <laughs> i don't know why yes. i just think it's like just dangling <laughs> out <laughs> you know and i don't know if it's, it's because of like the the maybe a little you know you know, a little bit forced that right before that, you know, Annie is, is warning him about it and that's what happens. But it's like, well, you know, did he, did he do that because was that an He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that would make him think I'm even more stupid than I am. You know, so I don't know. I'm tainted now. I'm, I'm going to see this everywhere. So that's, that's it's hard. The one I it's mentioned. hard not to once, <laughs> once you've got an insight on it. It's like yeah. it's there. It's right there. It's really <laughs> 
I love that scene too, though, because like uh, again, this goes goes back to the voice acting, and um, and yeah. Ahmed Best was actually like part of the the he, so he was there. I don't know if you've seen any of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, he was there, and he had this rig on his head that right. everybody was knew it, to look up was to. Kind of like mocap, or or not? It, I mean, yeah, really little, early for that. Yeah. It was still really early for mocap, but they were doing yeah. some of that with his facial, uh, with his right. facial expressions. So this this is really early like CG technology. So he was actually present on the scene, but th- his voice acting for that, right? For how do you act a, a, a character with a numb tongue? He he gets across the lines clearly enough that you understand what he's saying, but yeah. also clearly enough that you you have that he just got out of the dentist and his his whole mouth yeah. is numbed up. <laughs> kind of thing. Maybe they just. Um, they put lidocaine yeah. in his yeah. mouth for that, right? <laughs> it could be. I mean, uh, but he does, he he does, does a really you. good job. That's yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Which, which, like, like R two, like R, you know, even in uh, Return of the Jedi, like when he's in the, in the swamp, you know, that little like whistling thank you, like to be able to express, uh-huh. it's it's hard to do that, you know, through, through a non normal sort of means. Yeah, I, I think uh, we need to just give props to, to Ahmed Best. I mean, he yes. is such an amazing actor, and he's gotten so much unfortunate hate for this role. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. But he did... But he has the best attitude. Yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome. really put up with he's it. A- yeah. <laughs> And he's and he's had a great redemption story inside of the Star Wars universe because he is now training the Jedi. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if, you, if you haven't watched the show on Disney Plus, uh, it's yeah. called Star Wars uh, Jedi Temple Challenge, and it's it's really uh, it's actually really good. I don't think it's on Disney Plus. It's on YouTube Kids. I think. Oh, is it on YouTube Kids? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was, yeah. They had it on. Do they have it on did Disney Plus? I thought they did. I thought that's where we saw it. If they maybe did, it's not. I know. I've, I've had to show. go to YouTube to find it. YouTube Kids. Okay. But huh. all right. Either way, Jedi well, Temple Challenge. Jedi is, Temple is Challenge really fun to watch. Yeah, and he, it's he's, great. He's phenomenal in that. And, and there's definitely that that added benefit of seeing him there. And if you know who he is, if you yep. know you know where he was from in the start when you, when he first came up as the the trainer, I was like, oh, this is great. This is yeah. really fantastic. <laughs> so well, and, I had to spend what, a minute explaining it to my kids. <laughs> what what better person who played a character that was supposed to to be the the kid friendly character in Episode One? He is now training the kids, the Padawans. Right. You know, exactly. it's, it's so appropriate. Mm-hmm. And and he didn't get jaded and just leave Star Wars and hate everything right. behind. But rather, he's continuing to to invest and involve himself. And that is that is just super yeah. cool to see. Class act. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did want to share my favorite moment with uh, with Jar Jar. I, as a kid, and I don't, I, I've just always loved the Battle of N- Battle for Naboo or Battle of Naboo. I forget what which version it's called, but the whole when he's like uh, accidentally releasing all the bombs and they're they're you know destroying all the droids and <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean the whole yeah. the whole sequence. I I just I loved it as a kid because it was just. It was so Jar Jar. And of course, at that point in my life, it was like, this is the the slapstick comedy stuff that I'm all about. And of course, now looking at it with a keener eye. (laughs) More more going on under the surface. But um, so that that would be my my favorite Jar Jar moment. My mind comes in that that scene, too, where he's um, when all the droids shut down. And he walks over to one of them and just punches it in the nose and it like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> falls <yeah>. apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, any stray observations on Darth Jar Jar? It's also funny when he accidentally says Delo Felagates instead of fellow delegates. <laughs> 
but that could just be nerves. Or again, are they? <laughs> are they? <laughs> <laughs> but but I think you know if you if you look at Darth Sidious and and who uh, Emperor Palpatine and who he who he is, uh, he's playing a hiding game, and his charisma was to be affable, right? Was to just be that 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 person without a face right who was just the guy that you could talk to you could trust him uh that quintessential politician and to stay out of any direct combat you don't see him with a lightsaber until he Mm -hmm. absolutely must use a lightsaber and even then he doesn't use it the interesting thing about palpatine is something kind of have to always go back to even then he's the one defending himself right he pulls out his lightsaber to defend himself from the three Jedi that come into his room with their lightsabers drawn, ready to take him into, mm-hmm. <laughs> into custody. And that's when he pulls out his lightsaber to defend himself. So just throwing that out there with the, you know, thinking about the Jedi, <laughs> Jedi code with a grain of salt. Right. Um, but you've got, that's his way of doing things is to work from the shadows. And if you have a character that has all of these capabilities, and then is is able to do the same thing like it's they're cut from the same cloth they had the same master they they studied possibly under Darth Plagueis both of them uh they knew how to hide themselves it's just that his way of hiding them Jar Jar's way of hiding himself was to be friendly in a different way was mm-hmm. to be affable in a different way to completely mm-hmm. remove the possibility that he is a threat all the while defending himself with the means that he has available to him. Both of them were the experts at hiding in plain sight. Exactly. And it fits for them to have been, you know, kind of tutored together as apprentices to Plagueis and then to have that same skill set. Well, and being from the same planet, I mean, there's there's too much Mm -hmm. that is tying them together than not. So, so perhaps we'll see a Darth Jar Jar come up in uh, a future novel or movie. Hopefully everybody's mind is sufficiently blown. <laughs> he's still alive. He's still alive yeah. at the end of that book and at the end of Aftermath, which yeah. is canon. Yep. So he's still alive. Yep. He's still kicking around. Yep. 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 Well, I think that that then kind of concludes at least our thoughts and opinions on Darth Jar Jar. But listeners, we want to hear from you. What uh, are your thoughts? And, op- and opinions on the most sinister Sith Lord of all time, Jar Jar Binks. Was he truly a villain, or was he just a, a bumbling idiot? By the way, guys, did you notice that this uh, podcast episode is going to be released on April 1st this year? <laughs> Crazy <laughs> coincidental, right? There are no coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> that just so happens to be April Fool's Day here in the United States. Anyways, uh, listeners, uh, we are we are trying to wrap this thing up right now. And so, of course, uh, please let us know if there is a character that you want us to talk about. Uh, you can email us or comment on our Facebook or Twitter page and let us know. You can email us any feedback at starwars.sqpn.com. And you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia and on Twitter at sqpn. At this point, we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week, Father John E., Priscilla H., Jennifer W., Douglas C., and Darius M. 
Now is a great time to become a StarQuest patron, thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter. When you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor. So if you become a new patron at $10 per month, after three months, our donor will give $30 to StarQuest to support all our shows, including this one, making your gift go even further. So if you have been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now is the time. Visit sqpn.com give today. Also, of course, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss a episode, especially a fun one like this. And you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you can find us on YouTube. Just search for the SQPN YouTube channel and click that bell to get notifications for new episodes. And as always, you can find any previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars by visiting sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back in two weeks uh, to continue our character series by taking a deeper look into one of the best characters from Star Wars Rebels. We are going to be looking at, at Hera Syndulla. And there's a very specific reason we are going to be talking about Hera, because um, I am thrilled to announce that after our episode about talking about Hera, we are honored to have the voice actor behind Hera herself on the show, Vanessa Marshall. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this is not an April Fool's Day joke. I was going to say, you better clarify right. what's yeah. actually <laughs> happening now, now yeah. that we did that. <laughs> um, I have been in touch with Vanessa Marshall, and she is going to be joining us on the show later in April. So she will be on the show um, in the episode after we talk about Hera. So she will be joining us to talk about all things Hera and her experience uh, voice acting such an iconic character. And patrons, this is important for you to, to listen up to this point. Uh, this is an exciting opportunity for you as we want to give you a special thank you as patrons of the show. So you can log into your patron account and on the SQPN patron page, we will have a post where you can give us your questions to ask Vanessa when she's on the podcast. So this is your chance to help guide our discuss our discussion with Vanessa through questions you want Vanessa to answer. And so we will compile those questions we receive and do our best to get them proposed to Vanessa. So patrons, you definitely don't want to miss out on this. And so once again, if you would like to become a patron of SQPN and participate in that, please go to sqpn.com slash give. So we've got a number of exciting things happening. And then, of course... After our episode with Vanessa Marshall, we will be doing a special May 4th podcast episode. So stay tuned for more, inform for more information about that. So until next time, Thomas Sanjurjo, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It has been a great pleasure. And Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us this evening as well. Absolutely. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>